Blog Talk Radio.
let's take our Bible and turn to Psalm 119 tonight. Psalm 119. We're going to be looking tonight at verses 41 through 48. Psalm 119. Verses 41 through 48. It's a section titled Vow, V-A-U. Grant was telling me he studied on all the Hebrew letters and whatnot. He telling me all that Sunday, but I'm not church for that out. And somebody else was talking to him about something else. I heard about half of what he said. And also, I'm interested because I can't remember what I was talking about. But, uh, but anyway, Psalm 119, 41 through 48. I guess you found it. It got quiet. So let's read tonight. Vow, it says, but let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation, according to thy word. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me, for I trust in thy word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgments. So shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. And I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings, and will not be ashamed. And I will deliver myself, I'm sorry, I will delight myself in the commandments which I have loved. My hand also will I lift up unto thy commandments which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. Let's go to the Lord tonight in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, I love you. Lord, help me now. I need you. I really feel like I need you so bad tonight. Lord, I've studied, I've read, I've, I've prepared, but Lord, I can't do a thing without you. Lord, to be an independent Baptist, I'm so dependent on you. I need you. Lord, we all need you in this room. Everybody in here needs you. God, we just don't realize how much sometimes. Lord, not until the bottom falls out and then we call for answers, we call for help. Lord, we ought to be needing you all the time. We ought to be dependent on you every moment. Help us tonight to see just how much we need you. Lord, please help us. We need your mercy. We need your touch. We need your grace. Lord, if you withheld your if you withheld your peace, if you withheld your comfort, if you withheld your love and mercy for us for a day, we wouldn't know what to do. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you make us conscious of it. Make us aware. Speak to us tonight. Speak to us down deep in our souls by thy spirit. Father, we ask you, please, let the Holy Ghost of God direct. Put your hand upon me and use me. Forgive my sins. Cleanse me and fill me. I want to be a blessing tonight. Help each one that's in, under the sound of my voice be blessed. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. If I could put a title on what this, this section is about, it's about a holy fear. A holy fear. Um, some people call that reverence. Some people call, I mean, the Word of God calls it awe. But it's, it's a holy fear. See, David here in this scripture, trembling, lest any way or any degree the Lord should remove his favor from him. He's conscious of that, of his need for God's touch, for God's favor, for God's hand to be on him. And he's very, very sensitive to that need. <laughs> These eight verses are one continued pleading for the abiding grace in his soul. And it is supported, this is Charles Spurgeon I'm quoting right here. He said, it's supported by such holy arguments as one as would only suggest themselves to the spirit burning with love to God. Let me read that again. The man of God trembles, lest in any way or degree the Lord should remove his favor from him. The eight verses are one continued pleading for the abiding grace in his soul. And it is supported by such holy arguments as would only suggest themselves to a spirit burning with love to God. Now, what do we know about David? He's a man after God's own heart. 
He sought with everything in him to be as close to God as he possibly could. Does that mean he didn't fall down or what? That mean he didn't commit some grievous error and grievous sin? He probably done worse than most of us, didn't he? But yet, we still look up to him because God used him. We need to remember that. We need to remember that. People aren't perfect. God can use anybody. You think about it. The woman at the well been divorced five times, but God used her. Used her all, all the time when the preachers get behind the pulpit and give us that message. But David is he's conscious of his flesh, and we heard that as we, you know, as we read down. If we read down through the scriptures, and, and uh, I'm trying to remember which one it was. I think it was Beth, where he, he talks about he talks about cleansing his way. Uh, you know, he he's very conscious of his his fact, the fact that he can't do anything without God. He knows that he needs God. And then last week we talked about where he want, he's begging God for understanding. He wants to see things through God's eyes. He's tired of seeing things through David's eyes. He wants, to, he wants the mind of Christ is what he cried out for. He wants to understand things from God's point of view. And he's asking here in Psalm, in, in this, this portion of verse 41 to verse 48, he, he's, he's, he's begging God for that power to, to be continuous in his life. Um, this section here, it, it consists of his petitions and it's also his promises that he makes to God. He petitions him two times in verse 41, where he says, Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. And then in verse 43, where he says, And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. These are Those are petitions. Those are things he's asking God for. When we petition, what do we do? We're asking for something. So he's petitioning God in other words, for his mercy, the Lord, please don't take the truth out of my mouth. And then he's making promises in the other. So let's get into this. Maybe we won't take up the whole hour. <clears throat> but anyway, verse 41. Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation, according to thy word. Let thy mercies come also unto me. What does he say? He said that my way was blocked up with sin and difficulties. I know that I can't do anything because of the sin in my life. I know that I can't do anything because of the difficulties that I have created and that have been created in my way. But yet mercy can clear the way, God. I know that. I know your mercy can fix it all. He said, I, I don't know what to do. I got a mess on my hands. My life, I need you. Let your mercies come unto me, Lord. And Lord, once, I, once your mercy comes to me, not only does it clear the way, but it gives me full access to God. I'm so thankful for mercy. I thank God for the mercy that he showed me February 2nd, 1996, when I had run and run and run and run and run and come to the end of my road. And God said, if you don't turn around, I'm going to kill you, boy. And I, and I said, Lord, here I am. And when I turned around, I imagined he was a million miles from me. But when I turned around, he was standing right there with his arms wide open. I didn't have to take a step. All that was a break. That's the way God is. He follows around after us, a little fallen creature, waiting for us to turn around and embrace him. I don't understand that. That goes deeper than my understanding because I don't have a heart full of that kind of compassion and mercy like God does. I'd I give up a long time before that happens. God, God's mercy is so great, his long suffering is so, so great. He says, let thy mercies come. He said, let it come. In other words, let it be performed or let it come to pass. Lord, please. Sin your mercy. You remember in Psalm 23, verse 6, the shepherd's psalm, what did David say? Surely, goodness and mercy, back him for mercy, he says, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. What did I just say? I would I run from God and run from God and run from God. I would do it on purpose. And when I got that, I said, hey, I'm going to run from God. No. When I took, the, I took a step in the wrong direction, then I took another step in the wrong direction, and another step, and another step before long, I forgot I was on the wrong road until I got so far down that road that the devil thought he had me. He thought I was done. I was washed up, and God just said, knock on my heart, sister. Turn around. You're going far enough. Turn around. 
kid to turn around. He's not going to be serious. Turn around. I didn't say those words. But you know what I'm saying? I knew right then there was no more kidding around. There was no more fooling around. There was no more wasting my time doing my own thing. God was serious. It's time to turn around. If I was going to live and do anything to, to, to live for God and get him any glory, it's time to turn around. It was his mercy was following me. You know, I had been bought by his blood, and I was his child. Even though I wasn't a very good child, I was a very bad problem child, but I still was his child. And God and God was not going to give up on me because a lot of the are smoking flat, he shall not quit. The bruised reed, he shall not break. And there I was, a bruised reed, a brook, and a, and a smoking flat. Didn't have no fire hardly left it off. It's better than a little smoke coming off with it. And God said, I can take, I can take that work with that. <clears throat> And that's what David said, oh, Lord, I need you. I need your mercy. I'm going to turn around. I need that mercy. Psalm 116, verse 12. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Oh, God's been so good to me. And I can testify tonight and say tonight with both hands, amen. God's been good to me. He's been so good to me. I didn't deserve it. I've never done a thing that was worth anything that God can say, oh, I needed that. No, God didn't need anything to me. God had more before I showed up than I had ever hoped to do anything with. I can't do a thing to, to give God, I can't do anything on the earth to, get, to leave God with more than, than he had to begin with. Only thing I can do is preach his word. Only thing I can do is share the gospel. That's the only thing I can do for God to say good. It's to love others for him. Let him let, be a vessel that he works through. So he said, what shall I do? How can I pay him back? How can I show God how good he is to me? How can I show him how much I appreciate it? He said, he said let thy mercies come also unto me. He desires mercy as well as teaching. He don't just want the mercy, but he wants the teaching that goes along with it. He, he wants he, he's, he's guilty, but he's also ignorant. He, he, he's, he's a sinner. He needs forgiveness. He's talking about salvation. He needs cleansing, but that ain't the end of it. You don't just get saved. It's like you don't bring a baby into this world and just leave them alone to figure it out for themselves. No, he needs teaching. we got to get sanctified. It's got to be a continuous process all the days of our lives. But he said, Lord, I, I need teaching. I mean, he's he just asking the last part of this for, for understanding. He wants understanding. He wants to know God. It's not, a, it's not a, well, check that salvation box off, and I'm feeling Waiting on Jesus. That's the way some people are. I don't get that. Their salvation is very, very, very shallow. But he says, even thy salvation according to thy word. He said, Lord, I want your mercy. I, I need your mercy. I need, I need to understand. I need your teaching. I, I need I, I need your faster, your salvation. Listen, according to thy word. By the way, it's the only way you're going to get salvation, according to the word. Y'all know that. But this is the sum and the crown of all the mercies that God can give. Deliverance from evil, now and forever. God will give us that. Amen. And salvation, praise God. Ephesians 2, 2 8, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So he, he's asking for mercy. Mercy has nothing to do with work. It's all of grace and nothing else. Notice here that he calls salvation by salvation. Giving all the glory to God. None of itself. Psalm 68, 20 says, He that is our God is the God of salvation. Amen. I know I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but it's worth looking at. That's what all he's got in here. Amen. Verse 42, he says, So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me, for I trust in thy word. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me. He's asking for the power for, de for defense. He wants to be able to defend the faith. He wants to be able to defend what God has given him. Realize something, when you take a stand for God, no matter what it is, I mean, whether it's, whether it's you got a, say you got a, you got a problem when you ain't church, you know, I'm not saying anybody here this way, but I'm saying you say you got a problem when you ain't church, you like to cuss a little bit. Okay? Then you know you need to get that under control. Well, you say, you know what, Lord? My tongue's got to get under control. 
I'm asking you, Lord, help me not say, have I hit my thumb? Lord, help me to say something else and say a bad word. Lord, God, help me when I get mad, not let something come out my mouth, shouldn't come out my mouth. God, help me. You start trying to do that, the devil's going to start trying to attack you because he don't want you threatening up. You get the devil. You start trying to do right. You start trying to, to surrender some things in your life that don't need to be there. You start trying to, to say, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone and do something for Christ. Now, this is not a way. This is not a wonderful advertisement for it, but I'm going to tell you this is the way it is. When you begin to do something for God, you start the devil up because he don't want nothing. He don't want no practice. He don't want nothing going on. He likes everybody just being asleep. He, he, the devil runs the best nursery you ever seen. He keeps everybody asleep. Anybody go to Holland? Or oh, go watch him up real quick. Man, I'm telling you, he's the best nursery keeper you ever seen. But you see, when you stir them devils up, here's what they do. They get people that ain't close to God to attack you. Devils don't attack you in the spirit realm, just jump on you and attack you, fling you around the room like the exorcist. No, what do they do? They go over here to get such a show so they write with God, and she gets a phone call, picks up phone, and turns off to about you. Or not where you know, two or three minutes, I'm starting some story, ain't even true about you. Running you in the ground. <laughs> So-and-so says they're going to cheat you out of some money. Somebody's going to, somebody's going to uh, throw a bad about you behind your back. Something's going to happen. The devil, he don't like nothing good to happen in God's, in God's world. He wants, he wants it all for him, so he'll start attacking you. And guess what? Reproach is what the Bible says. So that I have wherewith to answer him that reproaches me. What is reproach? It's foul-mouth contempt. I hate you, and I'm going to talk about you as the ugliest firm that I possibly can. When they stood around the cross of Christ, what did they do? They gave him reproach. <laughs> what do you do when people attack you about this? The first, the first thought is, well, ouch. We want to hurt somebody. That's your natural reaction. But Really, truly, the only weapon you got is the Bible. That's your weapon. That's what you use. That you don't use your temper. You don't use your fist. You don't use any, your 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 words, sharp words back at them. No, you use the Word of God. Ephesians six ten through eighteen. Listen carefully. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Hold your muscles in the Lord and in the power in the power of His might. Let Him fight the battle. Put on the whole armor of God. So he's protecting you, okay? That you may be able to stand and not get defeated against the wiles of the devil because the devil has lots of tricks. He has lots of ways of coming at you. If, for we, look here. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against the people who hurt us. Our battle is not against the people who said some ugly things about us. Our battle is not against those who don't like us. Our battle is against the devil who is using them to get to us. He's the one we're trying to decrease his kingdom. We're trying to depopulate hell and populate heaven. So yes, we have an enemy, and he uses others to hurt us. I mean, what Jesus talks about that. Talks about a household being divided. You know, the father against the son, the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, the daughter against the mother. On and on and on. Why? Because Jesus said, I came not send peace with a sword. And this sword gets in between people. Sometimes, sometimes the devil uses people close to you to hurt you. You fight back with your fist, you wind up in jail. You take the word of God and defend the faith by using the word of God to fit. Now, I want to get the Bible says you did it to me. You know that's not what it's about. It's what what's your what does God say about what you do? It's not about what you're doing to me. Use the word of God to fight back. If you do it right, you don't do it. You don't do it to try to beat people over the head. You do it to show them the truth. We wrestle against not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Those are devils. He says, "Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God." that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. God used that verse, 
in, in uh, February when he got a hold of me in 1996. That was a very, a very important scripture he used. That verse in particular, verse 13, Wherefore take on you the whole armor of God. I didn't have the whole armor of God. I had salvation. I didn't have that. I knew I was saved. And he, told, he, said, he, said, he said that you may be able to withstand. Because, see, the devil relents. He keeps coming, he keeps coming, he keeps coming. He don't quit. He wants you to feed him. He don't feel sorry for you. I'm just saying, the devil never feels sorry for you. He don't go, oh, I'm going to go easy now because, you know, I feel bad. I don't I don't rough him up too bad. No, the devil can only do what God allows him to do. You need, you need to know that. And there's evidence of that in Job where Satan couldn't do anything more than God allowed him to do. And Satan's only going to be allowed to do as much as God will allow him to do in your life. Why would God, why would God allow the devil to do anything in my life? Well, the same reason you have to Job. Because the faith is not tested, it's not worth much. I mean, when your faith is put to the test, then it's proven that it's real. When your faith is put to the test, you crumble like a cracker, then it has. Ain't much better. That's, that's why it's proven. He says, stand. Just stand. He doesn't say fight, just stand. First of all, you got to take a stand. you got to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand for something. And it may be unpopular that I stand. People may criticize me that I stand, but if I'm standing with God, let them go ahead and criticize, because they've already criticized people before for standing for God, so they ain't going to be the first time. He says, having your loins girt about the truth. Well, that's one thing you've got to have. You've got to have the truth. You've got to make sure you're on the right side. You've got to make sure you're lying with the Word of God. He said, well, tie it around you. Holding yourself, holding everything together. You know, when they, when they gird up their loins, they take that robe. I think I showed you this before. But they take that robe, and they would pull it between their legs and pull it up here in the bush, and they take this side. And they pull it around, take this one out, and pull it around, and then they pack it together. Basically, they turn the road into a pair of shorts. Got ready to go to work. They took their robe. Well, they had to have some tile that together. Dirt and everything together there in the middle. Truth holds everything together in your life. The Word of God, the truth, holds it all together. And it says, have on the breastplate of righteousness. Listen, when you cover them the truth, you, you, you're not afraid. You, 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 you know that you're protected. The truth will set you free. You're right. You're lined up with God. And your feet shine with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, put your shoes to tell somebody about Jesus on them. And he says, and above all, taking the shield of faith, with which, wherewith you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. There's your only weapon. That's all you got to fight with. That's all you need. The Word of God is all we need to fight with. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. In other words, we pray always for God's help, pleading with Him to give you all that you need and, and, and watching for it to show up. Be looking for God to react. You know, a lot of times we pray, but I don't know if we pray expecting to get any answers. Remember Dr. John R. Rice saying one time, said, I wonder how many prayers that get prayed on Sunday morning ever get answered. He said, because I think a lot of times people are praying for other people in the audience and are in rather than praying for God. I'm not criticizing anybody for saying that, but I think there's some truth to that. We fall into a habit of praying, but are we really praying to God? I'm not saying it's happening here. I'm not criticizing you. I'm just saying there's a reason why the Bible talks to us about these things. And and we're to to be praying with all perseverance. That means we're not going to give up. We're going to pray until God shows us. We're going to pray until God does something. Supplication for all saints, praying for those around us who have need. That's how we fight back. That's our, that's our weapons. That's the weapons of our warfare. All right, verse 43. He said, And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. For I have hoped in thy judgments. It's the qualification for usefulness. 
the word of truth in our mouth. That's what qualifies us to say anything for God, is that God has placed the word of truth in our mouth. Listen, it, it, what a privilege it is to have a copy of the word of God. I, I mean, I, I, I'm so thankful to have been born into America. Messed up as she is. I'm so grateful to have not only to have been born in America, but to have been raised in a Bible-believing church that, that used the King James Bible. I'm thankful that this is what I came to know as the Holy Scriptures and not some other phony baloney version that takes God out of it all over the place. I'm thankful that I grew up knowing that this whole book is the Scriptures, the Holy Scriptures. I'm so thankful that of all the, all the bunches I could have been born into, I'm born into some fundamental Baptists. God's been good to me. Amen? I'm not saying all fundamental Baptists are perfect, because the Lord knows we're not. But you know what? We all agree on one thing. This, this is the Word of God, and this is the truth. And Jesus died for sinners, and salvation's forever. And I'm thankful that I, that I grew up knowing the truth. I didn't live by the truth like I should have for many years until God, and I, and I still fall short. We all fall short. But I didn't understand the importance of it until I was in my late 20s when God, again, when he shook me and took me to the edge and showed me the other side. But I'm thankful that he, in spite of all that I had done, messing up and running and doing things my way, God still said, I got a calling on you, son, and you're going to fulfill it. And God called me to preach his word. And I'm saying, I ain't never had a, a better, a better, uh, I hate calling a job, my job. Amen. It's a calling. It's a ministry. I've never had a, had, a, had a better opportunity in my life than to preach the word of God. I've done a lot of things. I mean, I've sold, I, I told you, I talked about this before, I've sold a lot of things before. I've sold cars. I've sold Western wear. I mean, I've sold, I've sold a lot of different things. But I can tell you, I don't have a problem giving this away. Amen. I know how valuable it is. I can't tell you I always believe in Ford products. Amen. I, mean, I, I wouldn't drive a Ford. That's just me. I hate to drive a Ford. That's you. I'm a God. That's me. My grandpa was a Ford man. He sold them. But I, I'm just not a Ford man. I can't. I, I couldn't sell them like I could if I was going to die. Well, I don't care to think because I believe it. And I believe it's look. I know it's real. I know what I'm preaching here is true. And it's such an honor and privilege to be able to preach it. And there's nothing more horrifying on this earth to a preacher than the thought of being put on the shelf. God not ever uses it again. I can tell you, I know some of them who are there. It's miserable. My friend, Brother Wally, he's one of them. He just feels like God's done with it. He's just sitting around waiting to die because he feels like God's done with it. A horrible place to be. But, you know, there's a lot of ways that can happen. A lot of ways a man can have a truth taken out of his mouth. Of course, there's the obvious. There's falling into open sin upon everybody. You know, even that don't happen sometimes. You know, Jerry Swagger fought his way through it. But, you know, when that happened, what a horrible, tragic black mark he put on his ministry and upon the cause of Christ. I mean, it, it took away it took away a lot of people's respect for what God had done through him because of his sin. But that ain't the only thing. I mean, the preacher can fall into severe depression. <laughs> I, I know I knew a fine preacher by the name of Buster Seaton preached one of the most wonderful messages on on uh, on well where Jesus said, If I'm going to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and Receive you unto myself where I am there, you may be also. He preached it on. He preached a parallel in there with John MacArthur saying, I shall return. And he gave the whole story about what happened on the Isle of Craig and the death march and all that. And he tied all those, those two things together. Uh, but man fell into some deep depression and ended up taking his own life on the road in a motel room. Sickness can take a man out of the pulpit, mental issues, losing your mind, Alzheimer's, dementia. Just no open doors. Pressure can finally get where nobody will listen to it. Nobody will listen. No listening ears. And no matter how it happens, it's a horrible thought that that takes place. 
Now, I think about what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. He said, but I keep under my body. In other words, I keep, I keep my, my lustful urges under control. I, 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 keep, I keep the sin of this body beat down and bring it into subjection. In other words, it's going to obey what I tell it, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself can be a castaway. I don't want to preach the truth to everybody else and then, and then lo and behold, I end up falling down on everybody and make a shipwreck of my ministry and my life and everybody look at me and say, well, you preach the truth, what happened to you? Thought all that was so real and look at what happened to you. He didn't want that to happen to him. He didn't want to have, have, have the power taken away. I mean, the, the effectiveness of the ministry, he didn't want to have anything to harm that. Whatever, no matter what you, whether you're a preacher, whether you're a deacon, whether you're a Sunday school teacher, whatever person may be, just a, just a Christian, period. We all have a testimony. We sure don't want to lose our testimony. We sure don't want to lose our usefulness to God. He said, for I've hoped in my judgments. Oh, Lord, your word's true. Your word's right. Your word's all I have. Lord, you're all I have. What's that? I, you're all I have. Don't take away. Please don't take the truth out of my mouth. For you're all I have. I can imagine if God took his hand off me, what would I do? I can't even, I don't even pray. Verse 44, he says, So shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. I see in here the perpetuity. Of gracious living. He, he said, Lord, I, I don't, not, only do I not, not only do I not want you to take away the, the ability and the opportunity to preach from me, Lord, I don't want to walk away from living for you. I don't want to turn back. I don't want to, I don't want to look back from, from the plow. I don't, Lord, I want to continue on. I want to keep going for you all the way. I want to cross the finish line. Nothing binds a man to the way of the Lord more than an experience of the truth of his word in his own life. Especially when it comes in the form of mercy and deliverance. God's been so good so many different times. I mean, I don't have time to get there and tell you all the things that God has, has delivered me out of things, how God has, how God has uh, set me free, and, and God has, has, has he's just been so good to me. When I didn't deserve it, over and over and over, I could tell you about blessings, how God has done such wonderful things in my life. He's real. He's proven himself. There's no doubt in my mind that God has worked in me and proved me and used me. I know that. I've seen it happen from my own side. I've experienced it. And so why in the world would somebody who's experienced all that not defend the way of the Lord? I mean, he never failed us, has he? Not one single time has God ever let us fail. And once we've experienced his truth, his mercy, and his grace, when we've experienced real agape love, unmerited favor, God, grace that, that has no equal, we'll defend it. No matter what it costs us. No matter if it means our own life. Why? Because we know it is true. There is nothing else. There's no second salvation. There's no plan B. It is the only way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to get to God except through Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul said that we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass and a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, every time we have an encounter with God, it changes us. Every time God moves in our life, it makes us more like Jesus. Every time God moves in our life, every time God speaks to us, every time God, God uh, prunes us like he does the, 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 the vine he talks about, the branches, he prunes them, he cuts them back in order that we might grow. God is working in us, and there's no denying it. He's changing us. We're to be changed, conformed to the image of his son, Romans 8, 28 or 29. Verse 45. We've got to hurry in 10 minutes. 
He said, and I will walk in liberty, for I seek thy precepts. I'm looking to the Word of God, he says. I'm seeking to understand your Word, as he talks about. And he said, and I will walk in liberty. I see here that he's saying that he, he, should be, he should be free and easy in his duty. Not cumbered down, not weighted down. No, I walk in liberty. I don't feel like God got his finger on the back of my head poking me to do it. No, I walk in liberty. God told me what to do. God, God has promised me he'll go with me. He promised me he'll work with me. He'll speak through me. I know he's going to show up. I know he's going to be with me. I know he won't let me down. So I can walk freely and liberally. 2 Corinthians 3, 17, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where God is working in your life, there is liberty. He's not bound to the law anymore because he's been freed to walk in the spirit. I don't go around worrying that I'm going to I'm gonna break one of God's laws and offend him. I'm not going around making a checklist and making sure because I know I'm going to break one of God's commandments somewhere. But I'm, I'm not walking according to the law. I'm walking in the Spirit of God. In the Spirit of God, when I, when I do that, that's what he's doing. His job is he, he convicts me. He shows me I'm wrong. He shows me I'm corrected. Gives me instruction in righteousness. Okay, I didn't do that. I won't do that again. Lord, give me strength not to do that And I move along. Walk in liberty. There's an old proverb, old Saxon proverb that says, he who goes the beaten and right path will have no brambles hit him across the eyes. In other words, it's a well-beaten path. There ain't no obstacles on the well-beaten path. It's when we get off on our own in the woods, we start getting in public and business. Verse 46, he said, I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. <clears throat> He's saying here that he should be bold and courageous in his duty. He said, I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings. <clears throat> now, I don't know that anybody here will be called to stand before kings, but who knows where we may be called to stand someday. But I know that David had to stand before kings when he was exiled. <clears throat> I know Paul stood before Agrippa. What did he do? He didn't ask for his freedom. He, he, he witnessed to the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what did Agrippa say? Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. He didn't ask for his freedom, no. He had grace. He had God's power. He had courage. He was bold to speak the truth, even though it cost him his freedom and ultimately his life. Daniel, what did he do? Okay, I can't pray. I guess I'll just hush. No, he opened his window and he prayed. He put him in a lion's den. What did Moses do when, when Pharaoh said, No, I ain't going to let him go? Well, he kept coming back. Let my people go. Yeah, he, was, hey, he was directed by God, amen. And so, is, so was Paul, so was Daniel, so am I, so are you. Ain't no difference. He said, We didn't live back then. It don't matter there, but they didn't live now. But you know what? We're still walking on two legs. we still got the same God, got the same word, amen, same Jesus, same power, same everything. Just because our names ain't wrote in the book don't mean our names ain't wrote in the book up there, amen. What about the Hebrew children? King, we ain't careful to answer you. We ain't worried about it. In other words, we ain't worried one bit. Hey, you know what? God saved us from that fine. If he don't save us, that'd be fine too. But we ain't bound to Amen. Hey, I ain't taking their certificate of vaccination. They can all jump the creek and say, well, cut your head off. We'll cut it off. Because I ain't taking it. I, I don't want your little sticker on my arm so I can travel with my things or my forehead. The wicked flee when no man pursue it, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. That's what Proverbs 28 1 says. See, when you're right, when you're on the Lord's side, you don't have to be afraid of nobody. I don't care what they say. You know, because you know what? They're always going to say something. They're always going to tell you what you can't do. But if God tells you you can, I don't care. I'm going to follow God. I don't care what it costs. Verse 
right, my will, in thy commandments. Not only am I going to go and do it, if everybody tells me not to, I'll be happy when I do. Amen. I'll delight myself in the commandments which I have loved. He's saying here that he should be cheerful and pleasant in his duty to God. I'll delight myself in thy commandments. One more. You know what? When we're delighting ourselves in our commandments, when we're, we're spending time with God that we love, and our hearts are, when you're full of delight, and you have a good day. Everything's all right. You're not down. You're not in the bloody roof. You're okay. Everything's good. I'm, I'm full of delight, man. I'm, I feel cheerful today. I'm in, I'm, I'm in a pleasant mood. Why? Because I'm happy with what I'm doing. Y'all heard that old saying, if, if you love what you do, you won't work a day in your life. Well, if, you know what? If you love the Lord, serving Him will not be good. It will not be something you hate to do. Oh, God. Oh, that old church. Oh, man, I read my Bible. Oh, so many words. Man, it's hard to understand this stuff. I got to pray. I go to sleep every time I try to pray. Ugh. Some people just get so bummed out about serving God and living for God. I don't understand. But he's saying here, I need to hold the He's making a conscious decision, folks. I will. I choose to delight in the Lord, in his commandments. And he says, and he's saying here, he's also saying in his delight that he should be diligent and vigorous in his duty. Okay, I'll give you an example. I give them, I got two examples, and I've used them twice. But, okay. You and Dan, boy, y'all love ham radio. I got that from being around you. Okay? When y'all are working on, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use Barney for, uh, for, for evidence, but when they're working on the ham radio, I'm assuming they're cheerful and pleasant. Because right? they're doing what they love. Okay? I'm assuming that he's very diligent about it. If something goes wrong, he's going to chase down what's wrong and figure it out. Am I right? Okay? All right? And he's very vigorous about it because he don't much sure it's done. Okay. And, and, and Robert said, with cars. <laughs> I guarantee you, you get Robert messing around with a bunch of cars, with a bunch of loud race cars with mud on them, he get real cheerful and pleasant. Amen, all right? Yeah. And he's going to stay out there a while on him. He's going to be about it. Hey, let's go out there to the racetrack. See? Woman, 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 the line is we light up. We're ready to do it. That's the way we all do about the things of God. And I'm not saying to pick on y'all, too. I don't understand it. I'm just using for example. That's the way we're supposed to be about God all the time. <clears throat> I mean, I'm not worried about cooking. I love food. I mean, you can tell me what we're going to eat. I get excited. Tell me what to cook. I get excited. <clears throat> Makes me happy. I do a happy dance when the food's ready. I, I do. I, I can't wait to eat, you know? All right, verse 4 says, we'll get to He said, My hands also will lift up to thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in my statutes. My hands also will I lift up to thy commandments, which I have loved. All right, he said, I'm going to stretch out toward perfection as far as I can. Hoping I reach it someday. Lord, I love you so much. I want to please you. I want to do everything that I can to please you. Oh Lord, if only I could if only I could be like you. That's what he's saying. I'm stretching out, reaching out my hands towards you, God. I love you. That's what he's saying. He said, I'll lift my hands like a man which I have loved. I love the Lord of God so much. I wish I could be perfect. I was reading that, thinking about that. I thought about that old Little Joe Shaver song, I'm just an old chunk of coal, but I'm going to be a diamond someday. <laughs> but he did say in the song, I'm going to kneel and pray every day just to have to come lame along the way. You know, I, I want to be like God, but I'm not foolish enough if I'm ever going to get there and just smooth the sin I got on. There's just no way for us to be perfect in here. Oh, we can be closer than we think we can. We can be so much closer than we think we can. You say he's stretching out toward God. He's reaching out toward God, to God with everything he has. And God is reaching down in mercy and grace, giving wisdom, giving understanding, giving peace, 
giving love, giving mercy. He's reaching up. God's reaching down. David can't help but reach back. He said, Lord, you've given me so much. I love you so much. I'll give you a quote from a man. I don't know who he was. His name is Joseph Carl. But he, probably he said, to lift up the hand is a gesture importing readiness. I thought about when we baptized. Right before I dump somebody out of the water, I say, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, buried together with him in the likeness of his death, and then there we go. It's importing a readiness. And special intention in doing a thing. My hands, David said, also will lift up under thy commandments as a man that's willing to do a thing and addresses himself to the doing. Lifts up his hand so a godly man is described as lifting up his hand to fulfill the commandments of God. Not only is he reaching out to God, he's saying, God, whatever you want. I'm ready to do whatever you want. He's saying that he should be thoughtful and considerate in his duty. Not only delight in it, but be very careful and do it right. I will meditate in my statutes. I won't do it right, Lord. I won't please you. See, where delight is found, where love is, where peace is, where mercy and grace are, there's a desire to be obedient and valid to defend. You see, when you find the place of delight, the place of love, the place of peace and mercy and grace, you found where you want to be. Amen? And listen, if the devil should want to move you from that place, you should want to defend that place, that ground you're standing on. You say, I want to move. Amen? You'll be like Peter up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Lord, we need to build a tent right here. This is the spot I need to stay. I want to be close to you. So when you find that place of delight, when you find that place where you're really communicating with God, and God's hands on you, and God puts up with you, listen, you all want to move. You all say, Lord, I need to stay right here, and I just want to live on you. I just want to meditate on what you've done to me, what, how good you've been to me in my life. I mean, that's real love, what God shows you. It's real love. I mean, when you've got real love, that's something you don't think about all the time. When two people fall in love with each other, and they, I mean, they just can't get enough of each other, they, they just want to talk to each other all the time. They want to spend time with each other, and they ignore other people in the process because they don't eat up with each other. They just thinking about each other constantly. Oh, it's who called you? Tell you this, I forgot to tell you. Little stupid stuff. You know, that's the way young people, especially when they're in love, they just, they just eat up with each other. That's the way we all do with God. We all be in the way of the Lord. We ought, to, we ought to be constantly saying, you know, I need reason for the company. I need save me. I love him so much. He's been so good to me. I need to turn more of my attention toward him and rest up toward this world. You see, we got something that's real, folks. We got something genuine, real. And how can we not rejoice? How can we not think on it? How can we not meditate on it? How can we not feel like David? Oh God. I just, I, I just, I don't want to lose what I got with you. Not that we lose our salvation, but we don't want to lose the the value of the relationship. We don't want to slip. We don't want to backslide. We don't want to go backwards. We want to go forward. And that's what David said. Lord, I just want, I just want to grow. I just want to be closer. And that ought to be our, that ought to be our desire. Let's stand together. All right. I love Sunday coming up this week. I don't know what y'all are making, but I sure don't know what I'm making. We'll figure it out way down here. We'll make something. It'll be good, nevertheless. Uh, pray for one another. Lift one another up. Let's remember the need we mentioned tonight. Let's remember each one. And uh, let's pray for let's pray for Dan and Anya to make everything get everything finished up for the church. And let's pray for Pray for everybody else. He's on the heart. I know he's been on physical problems too. So, let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Let's ask God to meet with us. Bring us back here safe, sudden. I'll see you again. Bring this message.
Father in heaven, we just want to pause don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by march 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly because no matter what moves you made last year TurboTax makes them count that means getting one hundred dollars back and 100 percent accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.